0: Hey guys, how we doing? Uh, Welcome back to another episode of 4 Checking TV. I'm your host, uh, Glackey, and alongside me are my co-hosts, Trevin Catellis, and Scotty Porterfield, and Nolan and uh, Peyton Trollinger. And tonight we are joined by special guest, uh, Jordy Cunningham. He represents the uh, Hockey Podcast Network, hosting the uh, King's Den podcast, covering all things LA Kings uh Jordy, how we doing
1: i'm good how are you guys i'm pumped to be here thanks for the invite
0: awesome we're we're all doing pretty good you know all i think we all had a great fourth of july wouldn't you say guys
2: yes sir sir
1: awesome yeah i was gonna yeah it was fourth of july for you guys there's canada you guys know we just talked about it before the show i talked about the kings but i'm up in vancouver so we just had canada day as well and it was pretty awesome up here as well
0: awesome good to hear yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's get into it. Um, before we get into anything Kings related, we're going to uh, just talk about the uh, Stanley Cup Final real quick. Obviously, the Tampa Bay Lightning are up three zero on the LA or on the uh, Montreal Canadiens right now. I got, I, I got, I jumped the gun a little bit. Like, they're right, f- up three
1: nothing on former LA King Tyler Foley. <laughs> there you go.
0: Let's let's do it. Let's do it that way. I like it that way. But um, they're up 3-0 on Montreal right now, and uh, it's looking like tonight might be the night. Uh, Dominique Ducharme is going straight up galaxy brain with uh, some coaching decisions. Benji just very cocking me I mean, And I had no idea that Alexander Romanov was sitting until tonight, whenever I found out that uh, him and Gustafson are going to be in for, uh, or him and Kulak are going to be in for Gustafson and Merrill. So that's uh, kind of crazy.
1: Well, before I even talk about the cup finals, I, I I would be remiss to not say anything about the Columbus goaltender first, yes. that tragic incident today. So like, I, I'm i going to mess up saying his name, but that was a tragic incident. So prayers up to everyone in the Columbus organization and his family and everything first, just wanted to say that first. Uh Yeah. Like the Stanley cup final, it looks like it's over tonight. Like Tampa Bay is just too good. And mm-hmm. Uh, that, that clip of the Tampa Bay mayor was pretty funny yesterday saying that they should let Montreal win game four so Tampa Bay can win it at home. And honestly, I kind of see her point because like Tampa won in the bubble last year in front of no fans. It's been so nice to see uh, to see like the Tampa fans. And like in Tampa, they didn't care about COVID at all. They, they opened everything up right away. So it's nice to see the fans in the building for like the majority of the playoffs. And it would be nice to see them win in front of the hometown crowd on Wednesday, but this thing's over tonight. Like, yeah, Montreal is making the lineup changes tonight and trying everything, but, like, Tampa Bay is just too good. And I've talked about this for weeks. Like, anyone that accuses Tampa Bay of cheating, like, you're just wrong. Because, like, they, they exposed the rules, they found the loophole, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about that.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, and I mean, obviously there have been teams who have won the cup recently who have been over the cap, but not over the cap to Tampa's extent, but like literally the past like four or five Stanley cup winners have all been over the salary cap due to uh, LTIR. Uh,
1: every team does of, it.
0: Exactly. Every team does
1: it. Like the Islanders were doing it this offseason. Like every team does it.
0: And my big thing is, it's like, you know, if it's such a big deal, then why are we not talking about like, teams trading for, like, Marion Hose's contract,
2: yeah, yeah. David
0: Clarkson's contract, just to have sure. more LTIR spending money and have more ability to go over the cap overage um, in the offseason, you know? Yeah, like,
1: for sure. I mean, absolutely. It's... it's, it's sorry. No, nah, go you're on. good. I
0: mean, like, like what I was going to say is, we see we've seen Toronto literally do this every single summer since they drafted yeah. now.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, uh, like, a, kind of a point that I was hearing on the radio today that I thought was interesting was, like, their GM, like, he learned everything through Steve Eisenman in Tampa, but before that, he was a lawyer. He knows how to find loopholes and such mm-hmm. like that. So Tampa just found it, like every other team, and they used it to the, the extent that they needed to, and it's just smart on their part.
0: Yeah, not even just any lawyer, but, like, tax lawyer. So he's like yeah, money law exactly. and everything, yeah. so... Absolutely. That makes it even more, more of uh, an advantage.
2: But um, uh,
1: I got, I got a question. When the series started, were you guys going for Tampa or
2: Montreal, or what did you think? I think Montreal in six. Uh, yeah, I went, I went Montreal in seven, and I'm really upset that they're, they're probably gonna get swept. I'm very upset about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really yeah. wanted them to win. They're a really likable team, but I, it's just not their year. Yeah, They're they're too young. Well, I mean. Not too young, but, you know. They got young superstars like Kokamine, yeah. Caul, Caulfield. Like Suzuki. their time will come. Their time. Yeah. Will come. yeah. So here's here's kind of
1: my thing, and I discussed this on the King's Den as well. Is I'm I'm up in Canada. I'm a Canucks fan. So the kind of unwritten rule is you don't cheer for another Canadian <laughs> team. You just don't. And that all started. I, I'll never forget. I was nine years old in 04, and it was the Flames Lightning Cup final. And I was like, I cannot cheer for the Flames. I'm a Canucks fan. I cannot cheer for the Flames. So I was cheering for Tampa that year. And ever since, Tampa has kind of been a team I've really liked behind the Canucks and the Kings now, obviously. So when it came to this year, like last year, when the Canucks got eliminated, Kings were in, obviously, I was like, oh yeah, go Tampa. Let's go. And this year, I'm kind of like, go Tampa again. But at the same time, there it's kind of like, Kind of breaking the underdog rule because Montreal is very likable, like you said, and also it'd be nice to see guys like Shea Weber get their first cup. Like it'd be nice to see the three British Columbia boys, where I'm from, get their first cup. Price, uh, uh, I just said his name, uh, whatever, and and oh, Price Weber and Gallagher, and and for me especially Gallagher because Gallagher's from the town beside mine. Like I have a bunch of friends that are best friends with Brendan Gallagher, like. I, I know I know a guy that flew him out to game three on Friday night in Montreal. Like, so it'd be nice to see them get a ring, but it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. So for me, either way, it's like I kind of don't really care because I like Tampa. It would have been nice to see Montreal, but it kind of is what it is to me.
3: Question that I kind of think, you know, could end up being a discussion among some fans in other hockey realms that kind of relates to obviously where we're at in our area is, which of the backs to back which of the back to back championship teams are more impressive? Or which is what do you think would be the better ones? Would it be the ones in Pittsburgh in 16 seventeen or these Tampa Bay ones here in 2021? Uh,
1: that's a good question because mm-hmm. like P- Pittsburgh, you're playing the full season and like they went through some tough teams in there. Who did they they beat Nashville the one year? And was it San Jose? Yeah, Sam-
2: Nashville and San Jose. Yeah, like
1: those were tough Stanley Cups. And like Pittsburgh like if I remember, they dominated one of them, right? And the other one was kind of closer. Or did-
2: Sharp bait. Yeah. They both they went blew through the, the sharks. Both they both went to the six, six, then. Yeah. Yeah. They both- yeah. They so, both so- went to six, but the sharks were, I think, a bit easier than the Preds. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. It- yeah.
3: And
1: so I can definitely see both sides of it because Pittsburgh like battled those two cups, and at the same time, like you can argue that Tampa got a br- got like the big COVID break to the bubble. But you're playing in a bubble, like, without your family, without your friends, like, just with your team. And then this year you're playing with COVID restrictions and stuff like that. And I, I, can't, and I know they didn't really care in Tampa. So it's there's definitely an, an argument in a different way to see which one is more difficult, if you get know what I'm saying. And also if you look at Tampa, like, they're so good at just, like, hey, if you're not in the lineup, if, if you're not playing well enough, we got another guy that's playing good enough in the minors to come – play sort of thing. And uh and they have a bunch of like they're this keeps going. It's a cycle that they keep doing and guys get better and better and eventually like they have to be traded because they're gonna cost too much like JT Miller. But their core guys are just too good that they're gonna keep going. Like Kutrop's only 28, Santos is 30, 31, whatever it is. the Vasholevsky is like what, 26? Like this is this is this, we're talking about a dynasty here with the lightning.
3: It honestly is that way when you think about it because I think that's what's gonna end up separating them from Pittsburgh, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe not right away, but a couple of years down the road, maybe. Like, yes. like t- sorry yeah.
1: to interrupt, but like Tampa could go three for three. Like yeah. they could win next year as well. Okay, yeah. go ahead.
3: Sorry, they're nowhere near being done yet. With Pittsburgh, you've sort of seen the decline over the last so, two or three years. They haven't made it past the second round, you know, since 2018. Mm-hmm. So with Tampa, I mean, this team shows no signs of slowing down right now, and it's not like they're gonna. I don't know their cap situation offhand I don't know if they're going to be losing a lot of players this offseason but even if they do it seems like they can just you know pull someone up from wherever and they're going to find a way to replace them but yeah I mean right now it's just I could you could easily see Tampa sort of I guess maybe taking over like the best dynasty of the 2000s up until this point of this 21st century
1: yeah it's it's crazy how good they are and like how they just keep producing like good young talent and it's just like clockwork and it is the mentality of like hey you're not playing well get out of there we got we got another guy playing while well that's ready to go and teams that have that mentality are going to be successful
2: well yeah. and, and also i'd like to bring up a point too that like tamp i don't know if a lot of people really like tampa really did fight for the spot like we all remember how embarrassingly they lost against columbus right yeah i remember that and, and they i learned remember from that. We remember the years where they were like, oh, Tampa's final. Tampa's in the final. Guaranteed. Nope. Out first round, second round. So it's not like they didn't fight to get here. Like they have, they earned this spot. They fought. They got through the playoffs and you know, this is a team that deserves to go back. And, back. and it wasn't As, all- honestly, they should have won more cups. <laughs> if I'm going to be completely
3: honest. And that's the thing that kind of separates them from Pittsburgh too. Is with Pittsburgh, that wasn't always the case. There were a couple teams in Pittsburgh where we're like, yeah, we got no shot here. With Tampa, mm-hmm. it seems like ever since John Cooper stepped in, they've kind of always been in that contender role. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's gonna yeah. be yeah, an interesting talk, to- an interesting uh, topic of discussion here right now, and probably even further down the line here as uh, as we move along. Yeah.
1: Good. Their, their two kind of big UFAs going into this offseason are Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau. Just a quick, quick look up on Cat Friendly there. Go ahead and
2: say you want Blake. I want him. Where do you want him?
1: <laughs> yeah, you can replace those guys. Like They're both studs, but you can replace them. I've been a big Barkley Goudreau guy since he started with San Jose. I really like this game.
0: Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. Um, I'm the same way with Blake Coleman. I've been a Blake Coleman guy his entire uh. career. That, and that like,
1: buzzer
0: beater bowl was sick in game two. I know. I know. Like if, he hits it, if he hits the market this summer, I'm like willing it into existence that he signs with Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I,
0: I had to wait. But the big, the big difference between the Penguins and the Lightning is uh, Andre Vasilevsky isn't going to randomly fall off a cliff.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like his game isn't going to drop off. He's at the top Three. of his game right now. Um,
1: like like you know. tristan Jarry, yeah yeah Like pr- pr- pride of pride of north delta just down the road from dude. my house and uh, gallagher's house i
0: can't like i still can't get over that like i i yeah. don't want to get on a soapbox right now but i literally can't get past it like the fact that like he literally passed the puck right to josh bailey <laughs> We, we recorded that night, and I feel like yeah. you have to go back and watch it. I literally just screamed for, like, 25 minutes about, <laughs> like, stuff. And then, like, Flurry got brought back up, and I got angrier. Just but, um, That's very funny. Doug, was that yeah. the night we had Rob on? Yes. Yes, it was. But uh with Tampa, they have guys in the wings that can replace uh, Coleman and Goodrow if they go. You know, they have – I mean, they have – basically another triplets line down in Syracuse right now with uh Kachuk, Alex Barboulet, and Taylor Radich. Yeah. Um, you know, one of them might potentially go to Seattle in an expansion type trade for um the the Kraken to select Tyler Johnson or something. But um beyond that, they're gonna have guys that can step in, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: And absolutely
1: uh, they will for sure.
0: I mean, I would say like I'll I will always say um the Pittsburgh team in 16 will be able to steamroll anyone. But uh, this Tampa team right now would be giving them a run for their money currently.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Like the firepower on this Tampa team is just stupid. Like they're so good. It,
0: it's it's literally three first lines and a damn good third line is your fourth line.
1: Yeah. And like, this is kind of a point that's made here in Vancouver all the time. And it's kind of do with the, uh, the salary cap, like people are complaining about them being all way over the salary cap and stuff like that. Yes. Look at their bo- look at Tampa's bottom six; it doesn't cost them a lot, and it is no. like elite. And meanwhile, the Canucks have like eighteen million in the bottom six for guys that stink; like it's right. horrible.
0: Right. I mean, Goudreau and Coleman combined make like three point two million.
1: Yeah, and we have, like, some crazy. Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel making three each in Vancouver.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. it's... And then, like, we don't even touch, like, Sutter, Michael Ferland.
1: Sutter is a free agent, and Ferland's on LTIR, so I won't talk too much about those guys. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah, brought me on to talk about the Kings. Like, the Kings' bottom six is just too young. They're all, they're all cheap because they're just so young.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's going to stay that way for a couple years, at least. Cause you're just going to have like, you know, it's kind of like how Pittsburgh was in the beginning, whenever Sid and Gina first got good, where it's just like guy on ELC comes in, falls out and then leaves, you yeah. know, that's just how it's going to go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But,
0: um, you know, we're going to get into the Kings here. Um, you know, obviously they're in a good spot in their rebuild. Um, Anzi Kopitar is still at the top of his game. Um, they still have, you know, they have Byfield and Alex Turcott as their two big center prospects and big guy for them was uh, prospect wise was Arthur Kaliev. He had a great uh, world junior tournament and uh, he's probably looking to be a contributor this season in some capacity. And I mean, they still have really good depth guys, Shorty. I mean, it's great to have guys like Adrian Kempe and, um, Alex Tiofalo, yeah, still on the roster as a part of the core. It's like part of the old core getting ready to usher in the new core.
1: You know for know? sure. Well, this, you talk about those guys like that. Like, Tiafalo's been on the first line for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's not a first-line player. He's a 1st line player on this time right now. Like, right now. But in the coming years, he'll be on that second or third line. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I know, like, we're kind of having – we're going to be in the flat cap next season. But that was – the perfect contract you could have signed Alex I follow to. I believe it was, it was a four year, $17 million extension. Like it was like the perfect one to sign him to. And like the year before they traded to Foley, like that's a guy that you can trade. He's a little older. I follow, he was still in that like 25, 26 range. And he's a guy that's producing. And he's a guy that is young enough to still be a part of this rebuild. And I thought that was a great uh, sign, like uh, extension as well. And I've seen you, I think you said uh, Mario Kempe, I think you mean uh, uh, uh Adrian Kempe that w- whatever uh, I've seen you that i've I've seen that you like uh Kempe for Pittsburgh and honestly like I wouldn't mind trading him away this off season because he is just mr inconsistent. You get a week where he's like he'll or he'll have like ten points in like four games and then he'll go pointless for like three weeks and you're like, what the fuck's going on like yeah. so. Like, just – I honestly wouldn't mind trading him as well because he's a guy that's a little older now. and The consistency yeah. is getting a little better, but if you could get something for him, and that's – especially with how deep the prospect pool is, like, this is the number one prospect pool in hockey. Like, I wouldn't 100%. mind trading a guy like Adrian cafe for sure.
0: You know, and he's, like, a guy that I'm looking for because, like you said, inconsistencies. Like, I'm always looking for guys that are, like, Jared McCann whenever he was first brought into Pittsburgh. Didn't yeah. know what he was, and then the coaching staff was able to just turn him into a really good power play producer yeah. and a quality top nine forward. You know,
2: yeah, yeah, like
0: that's what sure. I'm looking for. You know,
1: yeah. But and, and when you have, when you have a coaching staff that can do that for players, like that is huge. And I'm I'm not going to use a hockey example for this. I'm going to use a pretty recent baseball example actually, because okay. I'm a huge baseball guy. Sorry for the Pirates. First off, okay. Uh, like l- last year. Last year at the trade deadline in that weird sixty game season, like the Jay mm-hmm. I'm a big Blue Jays fan on the Canadian team. The at the trade deadline they go and acquire Robbie Ray from Arizona. Everyone's like, why? He's, he's statistically the worst starting pitcher in the league last year. And he's like since he's been a blue jay, like the pitching staff has completely changed him. He has like a mm-hmm. sub three ERA and throw a ninety seven. Like he's unbelievable. So yeah. when you when you can have your coaching staff do that to a guy, that's that can work out for sure.
0: Yeah, and the big thing, just real quick, just to get into baseball, Robbie Ray's stuff is insane. Like, he has such good stuff. Yeah, All you need is a good pitching coach to tap into that potential, Yeah, and you have a quality second or third starter.
1: Absolutely. And Ray, he's been unbelievable for the the Jays this season. It's been very fun to watch because of how much he has struggled in in, uh, all the struggles he had in Arizona, and to see him have the success now, it's very – awesome and cool to see. And also there's rumors that the Jays are into your closer. So like, we'll definitely take them. Please.
0: Buddy, listen, just give, give me like a B level prospect. that's like in double or triple. <laughs> N- and you can, you can well, have, I, them.
1: I'm, I, I work. I, I know the Jays prospect pool very well. We'll get back to the Kings in a second. Yeah. But from like my, like my dream is to work in sports, obviously. and yeah. I, I don't right now, the pandemic kind of hit that, but mm-hmm. for, uh 20 summers of 2017 18 and 19 i worked for the vancouver canadians okay. who are the only only minor league baseball team in canada and they're a blue jays affiliate so i i know a lot of the, a lot of the prospects in the jay system personally and the coolest thing for me is seeing them get to the majors it's very cool just i would be like hey i know that guy and he made it to the majors so that's one of the coolest things for me
0: yeah definitely i i love that but yeah. um I love that you know and like real quick on the pirates i'm to the point in the rebuild like where i just am so focused and zeroed in on minor league baseball and prospects that i'm like more into that than i am the big league club
3: it's
1: so and it's so tough because uh because like guys don't make it to the majors right away in baseball exactly like like the two kind of recent recent examples are the White Sox brought up that lefty last year who, like, they drafted last year, which was insane. And the Jays have a guy pitching in their starting rotation this year who they drafted in the in 2019. So, like, you don't see that very often. And also, I will say quickly about the Pirates, late in my fantasy draft this year, I took Adam Frazier, and he has been an absolute godsend on my fantasy team.
0: I just can't wait for somebody to trade two of their top three prospects one in a month.
1: <laughs> I'm ready for it. He is an absolute godsend to my fantasy
3: team. Yeah, yeah he's going to look great in a White Sox jersey for sure. Going back, yeah. going back to the – Yeah, don't,
1: the, that prospect pool is unreal as well, the White Sox. Yeah.
3: yeah. Going back okay, to – Okay, you want to go
1: back to the Kings
3: or you want to <laughs> keep talking to baseball, right, I want to to the Kings. No. Okay. I want to ask you about uh, Kopitar because I feel like he never really gets – like maybe he doesn't get enough respect for how good of a, a player he is, just as, just as a complete player, you know, that, uh-huh. that just doesn't get it from the media for whatever reason. What are your thoughts on Kopitar? Like, where would you rank him on centers and maybe even as far as players in today's NHL?
1: He's still one of the best. Like, on, on a team that has been so poor lately, like he struggled the last couple seasons again because the team was so poor. But this last year, a lot of older guys said that the long time off, really helped them. Like, the Kings didn't play for 10 months. And, like, guys like Koptar showed that. Dowdy showed it this season. Jeff Carter showed it at the start, and it kind of fell off. But he played well enough to bring something back, getting traded to Pittsburgh. Like, Koptar is still one of the best players in the game. And I don't think he has really got respected for it, just because how the Kings have kind of struggled the past few seasons. But he was up there in points, like, the majority of the season. He led the West Division in points, the majority of the season, and he kind of fell off towards the end of the season when the game started to not mean as much. But the Kings were still right there till there were less than 10 games left in this shortened season. And the way Copart played, like, I had him, I, I had him, what's this, the selfie? Yeah, the selfie. I had him, like, he should have been up for the selfie. Like, he was that good this season
2: because I'm looking at his stat line. 56 games, he had 13 goals, 37 assists for 50, 50 points. So that's definitely enough. Yeah, a, he was was almost season. 20
1: player this season, yeah. And, a, like, it was him and Doughty. They just racked up the points. And everyone, like, shits on Drew Doughty saying he's overrated. And he hates that talk. And this year, he finally showed it, that he hates that talk. He came out and played unbelievable this season. That's like, like he's he put up a punch, a bunch of points, but he was great on the back end as well. And he really likes playing with like the younger defensemen on this team that are really helping this team out. And uh, like they brought in Olimada, that didn't work out, obviously. Get, get Olimada off this team. I thought it was gonna work out, it didn't. But Doughty loved loved playing with Tobias Bornfoot, who's one of our good young prospects. And all season he ended up playing with Mikey Anderson, who's one of our one of the best Kings prospects as well. So like the Doughty com- comeback season happened this season, and the older guys on this team, they're really showing why they're the leaders of this team, and they're really going to help these young guys, this prospect
2: pool will grow.
3: So sticking with that, obviously, obviously we we're focusing on the prospect pool. What, what stage do you think the Kings are at in their rebuild, quote-unquote, and how much farther do you think they have to go before they're, let's just say, a playoff contender for now?
1: Well, I, I think you ought to go one – more year before they're a playoff contender but at the same time like what how, how weird this year kind of was with playing your own division and such like the kings were right there like they beat they kind of struggled against the to like the a plus teams like the colorado and vegas but out of the eight or nine game series i think st louis only beat them once like la played well this season for the most part and some games they just got unlucky sometimes it was a bad start sometimes at the start of the season they were giving up goals in the final minute like no tomorrow it sucked but they are like I think this season really depends on what kind of player Clinton Byfield is in his rookie year but at the same time like we know he's going to be a stud so I think it's still a year away from playoffs but again in the NHL you never know what could happen like a few years ago, St. Louis was last in the league through the season, and they won the Stanley Cup. So this prospect pool, like, I, people don't realize how quickly the Kings are going to be good. Like, this prospect pool is so deep. Like, you have Byfield. You have uh, Kalia, like Doug mentioned. You have have They just signed uh, someone, uh, a player out of the KHL named Vladimir. I'm going to mess up this name, uh, Chekhov or something like that. Uh, something like that. I'm best, Chekhov, something like that. Like this kid's going to be a stud as well, a bit of an older guy. But the Kings like taking flyers on on Russians that are about 24, 25 from the KHL. But this kid has a lot more upside than, they, they took a flyer on one a couple of years ago and it didn't work out. But this kid, I think he could really like make an impact. And look at the Russell of the classic pool, like Samuel Fadil, Rasmus Kuparari akil thomas like the list just goes on at how good this prospect pool is and like i don't the kings feel like they're in a mode to strike now and the thing with the victor arvidsson trade that was so like hopeful as a kings fan and i think part of the flat path helps it is you got victor arvidsson without giving up someone in the prospect pool you gave mm-hmm. up two draft picks you didn't give up someone in the prospect pool yet and if you really want to get ahead of it, I know a lot of Kings fans are, is with that trade, you still have room for Jack Eichel if you would like to. I'm not the biggest fan of that belief, but you have the room for that if you want to still. Because with the Arvidsson trade, you still have, I think it's like 15 or 16 million in salary cap space going into next
2: season. Well, I couldn't imagine Jack Jack Eichel in Jersey ever. <laughs> well, th- it, that's the, hard to the believe. Rumor, the,
1: the rumor is that they want two top six forwards and a right shot defenseman. Well, the, taking a flyer on Victor Robertson, I love because he's a guy that's had success in the league and he's a guy that could be a top six forward. But there was a rumor, I think, a week ago of, of apparently they're interested in Tarasenko. There's been rumors of Eichel. I don't really like the Seth Jones rumors either. I think yeah. uh, there's a different way to go about that in the defensive end but there's so many things the Kings can do and having a deep prospect pool helps it immensely and I think there could be some fancy work with Seattle I think anything could happen and Rob Blake is turning into a master of a GM.
0: yeah somebody that I heard about potentially going as like a top six center option at least in free agency for the Kings would be like Zach Hyman yeah what do you think of that
1: Uh, I wouldn't mind that I really wouldn't mind that, but at the same time, like, look at the the centers on this team. Koptar, sorry, just, uh, I follow can play center, and you have mm-hmm. Velarde, uh Byfield, and the I would say that they're probably going to reassign on just Athanasio. Like, yeah, you could use a better center in there, so Eichel or Hyman could fit that for sure. Hyman would be mm-hmm. a little cheaper, obviously, so that mm-hmm. would be, be a good option. And again, this is a year where Let's be honest. Regency sucks this year. So, and of, co- and of course, like a couple are off the board with Neutra Hawkins and Simmons last week. So Hyman could definitely be an option, but I think the Kings are really looking at all options and could make a trade as well. And I kind of played devil's advocate or asshole on an episode a couple weeks ago and said, like, I don't think it's happened over 10 plus years, but like the Kings could be real assholes if they wanted to in the RFA market with their cap space.
0: That would, be, that would be something interesting. Um, that would be wild. You know, and you, we were talking about right shot defensemen. Um, who's somebody that you would target other than Seth Jones?
1: Uh, that I do have – I have to look into it. And I don't have, like, the list in front of me A free agents. So that's something I have to look into more off the top of my head. But honestly, with the defense, like the Kings have said, they're interested in a right shot Defenseman, but honestly, like I don't mind the defense. Like Doughty, Mata, Mata isn't the best, but you only have one more year of him. I could live with one more year of him. Matt Roy really emerged this year. He doesn't put up the points, but he's so sound in the back end, and he played great for Team USA at the World Juniors. Like he's a lot of fun. Sean Walker is a lot of fun. He just finished his second year, and he was kind of had up and down, so a bit of a sophomore slump, but I think it was. 25 points he had in his rookie year, 30 points. Like, he's a guy that can put up points. Mikey Anderson had a great rookie year. Tobias foot is just going to keep growing. Curtis McDermott, I'll fire him. Like, he's horrible. I want to get rid of him. But honestly, I kind of want to see where this defense goes for one more year first before kind of going into a big game on the back end.
0: Yeah, and the big thing with uh, Mata is – you basically just have to ride him for like a half of the year because I'd imagine Kale Clegg is going to make the jump at some point and he could easily face so, Mota Allen.
1: So I really like Kale Clegg and I wanted him to play more last year. Mm-hmm. And for some, yeah. reason had, uh, for some reason, Tom McClellan just wouldn't do it. Like, yeah. And there, there was a stretch where they called him up and they just didn't play him. It's like, send him to Ontario so he can play. And a lot exactly. of people are worried that he's going to be exposed and that's the guy Seattle takes. From us, and I really don't want that. But at the same time, a lot of people think that he's going to be exposed.
0: One thing I do—that's to... interesting. Keep going, yeah,
1: I really
3: don't like that. One thing I do want to ask about, obviously, because we're, since we're talking about all the areas of the team, what's the goaltending situation? How is the goaltending situation going to play out? Because obviously, Jonathan Quick is, uh, you know, falling on hard times. As of late, didn't really play all that well this year and uh, Peterson was a little bit better, but not, necess- but not, you know, it wasn't leaps and bounds, I'd say. What do you think the game plan is for them? Do they think, is Peterson going to be the go-to guy from now on? And how are you going to have a $5.8 million backup on the bench for most of the year? What do you think
2: is going to happen there?
1: Well, one, yes, Cal Peterson is the goaltender of the future for the LA Kings. I'm kind of convinced on that. At the same time, I've seen people make points like, he's going to be 27 next year. He, and he is like kind of up and down but like you saw like he had flashes this season of brilliance and I don't know if you guys paid attention to the world championships but he was an absolute set of the world championships when the playoffs started like for Team USA, he was unbelievable. Uh, on the Jonathan Quick front like as tough as it's as much as it's going to break Kings fans hearts I've been saying this like pretty much since I started the podcast I think I think Jonathan Quick Seattle down I really do. I've, I've thought that for a long time. And at the same time, people question, go to question, and like, what does the goaltending look like for the Kings? If you just have Peterson and your backups aren't really like that great sort of thing, I think you can go sign a backup for a year. And a lot of people really think that the Kings are going to take that goaltender in the, uh, at eighth overall. I think that's what that eighth overall. And there's a goal. The same fucking escapes me right now, but there's a uh, Wallstat or something like that. Yeah, the, yeah I think it's
2: Jesper Wallstat, right?
1: Yeah, a lot of people think if they fall to if he falls to LA, they're going to take him and try to have him with Cal Peterson. Oh, that would be nice to
2: see.
1: Mm-hmm. I'd yeah, really so enjoy I, that. Done, there's so many different things that the Kings can do, and that's a good question on the goaltending. But and the goaltending's kind of a question now. But I really think Jonathan Quick could end up in Seattle.
0: I really. did. <laughs> now yeah. who are you uh i'd imagine that has to be something that you throw a sweetener at seattle for who would your sweetener be or what would your sweetener be
1: uh, yeah throw, throw a sweetener in or take some salary or something like that to get that done but i like a sweetener in that deal like it'd probably be a lower level prospect like i guess you could throw a guy like like Aiden Dudas or maybe even Akil Thomas, you can maybe throw in that to get that done. Maybe. That's a lot. Oh, yeah. Can't, yeah, I know. Kale you don't want to give up. But yeah, I'd say one of those guys. Like I'd, I'd say if anyone was higher than that, you maybe try to just say, hey, we want to eat salary or something like that. Yeah, and definitely. Another thing is uh, Quick only has two more years left on that deal. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of different variables that you can do. And I think it's going to be really interesting what Seattle does.
0: Yeah. I mean, let's say they draft Jesper Wolfstead. Mm-hmm. He may not be fully prepared to even take an NHL roster spot until John Quit's contracts over.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you could do that as well, because like, there's a, like, he's a stud of a goaltender, but he needs still needs a lot of time to grow. And I, I mm-hmm. think, if you give him that time to grow, he's gonna be an absolute star in the making.
0: Yeah, give him like a year we can't like rush than I
2: What part of me? I'm just saying you just can't you can't rush like a gold under oh. like Wallstatt like immediately. You gotta let him mm-hmm. gotta let him develop.
1: I, I and I'll say and I'll say I'll make this point. This was kind of one of the frustrating things on from my fandom on the Canucks end of things this season is every team held a third goaltender this year that wasn't on the roster, but a third goaltender because of COVID rules and stuff like that. The Canucks held Mikey DiPietro as their third goaltender all season long. He hardly played. Like, this is a young guy that needs to play. Like, it was so frustrating. Like, go, like, the last five years we had Richard Bachman as kind of our third goaltender. Why couldn't we have had him or someone like that as a third goaltender instead of... Sitting Mikey DiPietro in the press box every game. That was frustrating as a Canucks fan
0: Yeah, that is tough because I mean, you would think get him games in Utica because he's exactly. like he's he's so close. And honestly, there's part of me that thinks there's like an outside shot that he could end up beating out Demko in the
1: end. Oh, absolutely, there could be. Yeah. Absolutely, like there's
0: there could be. untapped potential there with him.
1: Yeah, and honestly, like, I love the Depko contract. Like, five times five is a great contract for Depko, especially when you have DiPietro in the mix. You'll probably draft another goaltender in there as well. Like, yeah. I thought that was a great contract for uh, DEPCO. One of uh, one of not many good moves by Jim Benning.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, like, the thing with DiPietro is, you're going to have him riding on an ELC or something similar to an ELC, like a low-salary type of contract absolutely. for at least the first two or three years that he's up on the roster. So yeah. by the time that Demco contract's over, it'll be time to give Mikey DiPietro a big contract extension if he were to sign and it, end up solidifying could, himself as the guy. It,
1: it could be like 10 years. It could turn into a situation like 10 years ago with Longo and Schneider.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Okay,
0: I can definitely see that. Yeah, that means the Jennings Trophy is fun. Yeah, yeah, that's one for <laughs> sure. Now, back to the Kings. Um, yeah. Outside of Jesper Wallstead, like let's say that Wallstead goes sixth overall um, to Detroit. Who are you looking for with the Kings pick?
1: Oh, God, let me bring up the – let me bring up a mock draft quickly because there's yeah. a lot of guys <laughs> I, I like – uh, in, in this draft, I mean, there's a lot of guys that I like in this draft for a draft that isn't the best draft. Like, there's no studs in this draft like we've had before. But for a guy to fall to the Kings, and honestly, again, this is so much like, part of like, pod, like podcast work versus fandom sort of thing. Because mm-hmm. the Kings are 8 and the Canucks are 9. So I'm yeah. kind of like, I, I, there's a lot of players I like that could that I would like on both teams. Mm-hmm. One of them, like, and of course, my dream, like as the fandom, is to have Luke Hughes on the Canucks so the brothers can be together. But yeah. I love, like, the one that I really like is Kent Johnson. I like Kent Johnson okay. a lot. He's a guy that could be a stud for the Kings and could really help the prospects pool. But there's a lot of guys on this list. Like, but again, I also like uh, Clark a lot as well, Brent Clark. I like, I like him a lot mm-hmm. as well. And, <laughs> and you argue. People argue like the Kings forward depth is so good on the prospect pool. Like you got to work on the D defense a little bit, but uh, Clark could do that for sure.
2: Yeah.
0: And I feel like Clark's one of those guys, like he'll come in right away and play, you know, he'll be ready to rock and roll day one. And that would be, that would be huge. Um, But uh, for the Canucks though, my big one is I think William Eklund would be electric
1: Mm -hmm.
0: in Vancouver. I think that yeah, would be a yeah, perfect yeah. addition to the forward group.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, that could be a good one for Vancouver as well. Again, there's so like, it's so, it's so, it feels like such a crapshoot of a draft, which happens every year. Again, because there's not that big like stud like the like the McDavid, Eichel year or anything like that. So it's yeah. so, and it's so weird to judge this draft because there's hardly been any game. There's nothing that you can really see because like COVID and stuff like that. There was not much to go off mm-hmm. of. Yeah, I, different options.
0: I prefer drafts to be like this, where there's not like high-end prospects, because uh-huh. like look at two thousand three. You know, yeah. Outside of Flurry, everything was a question mark, and it was just a yeah. random hodgepodge of guys, and it just ended up being quite literally the best draft class ever. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. I, I looked at that recently. Why did I do that? Oh, there was someone wanted to know the history of eighth overall picks or something like that, so that's why I was looking. At it, and because there's a history that like eighth overall picks don't really work out that well. It's kind of interesting. Like one of the last studs that was drafted eighth overall was William Nylander. E. And other, but other than that, eighth overall like is, is kind of cursed to a sense. That's
2: it's kind of interesting.
3: Yeah, I'm. Per, I think Penguins fans can attest to that because I'm pretty sure that's where Derek Pouliot was drafted.
2: Yes. Shout out Derek Pouliot. <laughs> Shout out
1: Derek Cooley. That's a good pull right there.
3: Nice connection right there too. All yes, right.
1: absolutely.
0: That gives me like anxiety. Like, who did I thought, think yeah, the Canadians just score? Who did they thought, did just who score? Who thought in that wow. deal
3: Brian Doolin would have been the prize? How crazy is that? The thing?
0: <laughs> but the main prize of that entire trade was the people that we traded Brandon Sutter and all the other people. for.
2: Facts. Oh, the brand <laughs> setter trade? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, you know, quite literally, the entire HBK line came from G- the James Neal and Jordan Stahl trades. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, so uh, on, on this, on there's a website here that hasn't been updated since 2013. I'm pretty sure 2014 was the uh, Nylander, when Nylander okay. went into the role. But, since then, it hasn't been very good since Nylander. 2013 was... Uh, Rasmus Ristolainen so that was a good one 2012 was Pouliot 2011 was Sean Couturier so that was good 2010 8th yes. overall was Alex Permistro. that guy stunk <laughs> and like 8th overall is just cursed like 99 was Taylor Pyatt the 8th oh god! yeah oh my god If you want to go far back to, like, good 8th overall picks, 1981, Grant Fierro went 8th overall, and 88, Jeremy Roenick went 8th overall. After that, it's kind of suspect.
0: That's crazy. That's horrible. It it is
2: terrible. Wait, wait, who did you say had the 8th overall pick? The Kings. The Kings. Kings Kings Oh, boy. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm scared. Oh, oh boy.
1: Like, you know. in 2001, Pascal Leclerc went 8th overall as a goalie. Yeah, who is right? I, I had no idea he was a first-round pick. Yeah, he went 8th
3: overall. Yeah, sorry, never mind, never, never mind being a top-10 pick. He was a, a first-round pick. He was a top-10 pick. Know, that cool. dude, oh that dude was...
0: Listen, say what you want about that guy, but he was god tier in the mid-2000s NHL games.
1: <laughs> Braden Corburn went 8th overall in 03. <laughs> Like, th- it baffled- Like this is one of the random things that baffles me, stuff like this. Yeah,
3: I, re- I, re- I saw – speaking of Brayden Coburn, I just saw some some graphic today. Like, y- I saw a graphic that said, like, Yarn- Ramir Yager has had at least one former teammate play in the last 41 Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I saw exactly that too. A- that
1: was actually so kind of sick. Crazy. Crazy. I'm like, yeah. crazy.
3: That's just, sick. It tells you how long he played in the league and how many teams he's played for. This the yeah. fact that uh, your teammates I- just span 40 years.
1: I gotta say one more because he was—he was an abs like the definition of a one-year wonder. And 05, Devin Setaguchi went eighth overall.
2: <laughs> I remember yeah.
1: him. That is the definition of a one-year wonder, right there.
0: Yeah, all those just random Sharks guys who went off because of how good Jeff Fortin and Marlowe were together.
1: Yeah, I think I—I like... I, I did the research and tweeted it out the last, uh, like the last few years on the website. Well, that's not updated. I'll see if I can find it. but it's like it's not good it's not good at all that's history of eighth overall you can ask another question while i try to look for it all
0: right so going into the canucks yes as a fan what are you looking to see in this offseason um i know they have a little more money to work with than they normally do um and what are you looking to see like how do you want the team to be upgraded
1: well, first of all, what I'm looking to see, and the, the team has kind of, like, addressed this, they kind of, like, understand, which is a good thing that they understand, because Aquilini's aren't the, aren't the smartest, who are the owners, is they realize, like, how much of a dumpster fire last year was, and how they went from 10 years ago when they were at the cop run, like, teams in other leagues were calling them to say, like, what do you do? Like, how do you treat your players so well? How do you guys, how do you get guys to come to your city? Sort of thing. And this year was the exact opposite. And you can kind of see that, like the rumors that Nate Schmidt wants out after one year, like apparently guys weren't treated very well. And there are like a few rumors that you hear in town that like towards the end of their tenure, the Steens weren't very happy, but they would never ever show that. to the classiest guys ever, but apparently they weren't very happy playing with guys like Jason fucking Megna and Derek Pouliot and stuff like that. But so it's awesome that that they've realized that like where they are as like, they realize that they're not like the kind of bottom in like how well run organizations are and they realize that they need to fix that. So they're doing that. The other thing I'd like to see from the Canucks is changes in the bottom six. Like they have way too much money in the bottom six. That's somewhere 15, 18 million, something like that. That's too much for the bottom six. One thing I will say is a report that was out today is apparently Jay Beagle's doing healthy. Is, is healthy, which is good. He got hurt at the end of the year and they never said what it was. And there were some rumors that like, oh, his career could be over from the injury and stuff like that. But apparently he's doing healthy. Again, $3 million for him is a little too much. But at the same time, it's like, he's a player I don't mind. Anton Roussel is who I can't stand. $3 million for him is just not worth it at all. And it's tough to see... Brandon like Brandon Sutter is a free agent. You're not gonna re-sign him for what he was making, but to have him back as a third line would be nice. But also with Colson coming in, there's talk of do you break the Lotto lineup and have JT Miller as your third line center because that way your center depth is Patterson, Horvat, Miller, sort of thing. So that's there's there's all these all this talk about that stuff here in Vancouver.
3: One thing I want to ask you about Jordy. You know, obviously, the team kind of—you saw how they did last year in the bubble, then how this year kind of just, you know, oh, and of course, yeah. yeah, basically. How much of that do you attribute to like the COVID situation that happened early on in the season, or do you think this team was just not set up to have any success?
1: Uh, I will argue that it happened before the COVID season, and it was kind of weird having like the like how they just weren't good this year because like after what happened, you expected them to. be to be good, and yes, they exceeded expectations a little bit in the bubble, partly because of Demko stood on his head. Also, at the same time, it was so tough to lose so many guys. Like Markstrom, I didn't really care about losing because we had Demko. And honestly, like I don't like the contract he signed for, but I would have liked Chris of back for like a two-year deal instead of a four-year deal, especially because him and like Hughes loved playing with them And the one that kills me, not just because he's good. But because he's uh, but a little bit because he's also a BC boy is I love Troy Stetcher. And you can like you don't re-sign him and he signs for 1.7. What are we doing here? Resign him, man. Like that one was frustrating on the D on the defensive end. The COVID break, I don't really blame that because that was later in the season. That was like in the second half of the season when it happened, and people blame Godette for it. I didn't like that they traded God away. But and I I wasn't to do with the COVID. They just, there was that rumor going for a long time that they were going to trade Adam Gaudet. And I, I did, I'm still not a fan of that trade, but again, I think it was just, it's just one of those off like bad years. And next year they'll come back. They'll come back stronger. Cause you got to think Pedersen got hurt as well. And here's the other thing about that is Pedersen, like when you have these young studs, sometimes they have to learn to grow up for lack of a better term. A little and this year when Pedersen struggled he showed it and you don't like you you're not gonna you you if you want to be successful you can't show when you're struggling sort of thing JT Miller did it as well and he he was to a worse worse extent like it was so frustrating to watch him play when he was having bad games but Pedersen when you saw he was frustrated it was it kind of brought the team down as well but again I think having the Sedins in the front office is is really going to help that as well because the sedates were kind of like that to an extent as well growing up so i think they can really help Peterson get over that like hey you can't show that you're frustrated if you're frustrated just kind of work harder sort of thing
3: might be trying to figure out whether he wants to be a forward or goalie still so maybe that's what he got going on <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
1: also quickly uh the recent history of eighth overall picks 2014 was Nylander, like I said. 2015 was Zach Winooski, so that was a good one. 2016 was Alex Nylander, not great. 2017 was Casey Milstead, supposed to be a stud, hasn't been. 2018 was Adam Boquist, so that one's worked out. 2019 was Philip Broberg. I, I don't think he's played in the NHL yet. I'm not even going to um, say
0: that he's, he's not going to work out.
1: Yeah, um, and last year was Jack Quinn, at eighth overall. So there's just your history of eighth overall.
0: And Jack Quinn was a controversial pick. I mean, they had Rossi right in front of their face, and they, they whipped him. Yeah. So,
1: okay, yeah. now they go back to the Canucks, but I just wanted to get back to that point. Yeah, I...
0: Back to the Godet thing. It sucks that they traded him simply because he was, like, one of the few cost-effective bottom sixers that was actually good. Yeah. You know, it like, that's, that's the big thing, is, like, and... I mean, I can we can attest to this from being Pittsburgh fans. You need cheap guys in the bottom six that can contribute. That's why they were so good in 16 and 17, because you had guys like Scott Wilson, Josh Archibald, Carter Rowney, who weren't even frequent NHLers that were coming into the lineup at a drop of the hat and producing. You know, like there was a good bit of the 17 run where Scott Wilson was on Malkin's wing and doing amazing things.
1: Yeah. Like – like and management wasn't happy with Goddard just because he wasn't putting up, like he wasn't putting up the points this season. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't take the step that they wanted him to. Like 33 games with Vancouver this year, he only had seven points. Like yeah, that's not enough, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the year before that, in the shortened season, he had 33 points in 59 games. Like that's a good third line forward, right yeah. there. And I, I honestly think he just like in my mind, he just didn't get enough of a chance on the top six. I really don't think he did. Yeah. And like, just, that's just in my mind. Like, and like, he got some chances on the power play, but you just didn't see much of that. And they tried to kind of make him a two-way guy. Like at the start of the year, they tried him on the penalty field a little bit and it just didn't work out as well. But again, that's not his game. He's more of an offensive guy. So the whole thing was frustrating all around.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the thing that's difficult is like, especially like with him consistently playing in the bottom six, like, how do you expect him to take a step forward and produce when he's playing with some of the people he's playing
1: I was yeah, I was just gonna say, how do you expect him to produce with like Brandon Sutter kind of producers, but how do you expect him to produce with Antoine Roussel and Jay Beagle and these guys that are like holy shits, these guys yeah. aren't very good?
0: Louis yeah. Erickson for the first couple of years, oh, you know. Me. Louis I know, dude. Christ. I know. It's
1: yeah. It's a
3: it's a mess. But. That's gotta be a trigger word amongst Canuck fans. fans at this point is Louis Erickson. Yeah, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's uh, just let's, get into that. Is well, only is, only that a is that your trigger
0: word? only has is one more year like, on the contract? I know we're so close, but does Louis Erickson trigger you as much as Jack Johnson triggers us?
1: Uh. Yeah, that was hilarious. Uh, actually, can we talk about one thing? Maybe one of what? the greatest trades ever is the trade is one for one, Tanner Pearson for Eric and Branson. Like, I was singing hall- <laughs> hallelujah when that happened. I was like, thank the Lord we got rid of this bag of shit. <laughs> like, I, he stunk.
0: That was a – And we traded Jared McCann for him. I know. I know. That's crazy. That was a top three biggest temper tantrum I've ever thrown as a hockey fan. Was whenever they traded oh, Tanner Pearson for I was it wasn't even that astounding. it wasn't even the Pearson was good in Pittsburgh. It was the whole concept of you could have gotten something much better for him.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I told, yeah uh, yeah you got Eric Dabransa. Yeah, and
0: then you, you uh, go into game one of the playoffs with him paired with Johnson. And you're just like oh god like oh yeah I was, I was so hard
1: at that when it was like the like you guys are paying like what stupid amount of money for the two slowest defensemen ever. Yeah, Like that trade made me like the happiest guy, but like, yeah. like, like, uh, I don't, I don't even remember what we were talking about. I brought up that trade, but Oh no, the Louis Erickson, like, yeah, like, like it is what it is sort of thing. Like the, his first ever goal for the Canucks was on his own net. Like you kind of knew how it was going after that yeah. sort of thing, but we only got one more year left. We can almost get through it. And our AHL team is going to be here now, instead of in Utica, so people can go watch him Hopefully, in the minors this season, instead of in U- instead of up in up in the big city of Vancouver.
0: Yeah, and I think that it'll make it easier for them to just bury him in the minors because, like, he doesn't have to like go move around and be away from his family or whatever. Like, you don't yeah. feel like a dick for sending him to the, down to the AHL. So yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah, I mean that's. That's a big, big advantage Toronto has with some of their guys. It's huge,
1: and now, like what? it was kind of, it was kind of always so weird because uh, we have we have Vancouver, and then we have a town called Abbotsford. That's an hour drive away, and yes, uh, Abbotsford that's where the Flames had their farm team. for Yes, a day. and it's like, yes. how the hell is this going to work out when your farm team is in the the province of a rival of your rival? Like, it just isn't going to work. And there's a reason why the Abbotsford Heat didn't work out. But now, finally, the Cucks are being smart about it. They're having the team in Abbotsford, and that's going to be nice. I believe on Friday, the name and jerseys will be rebe- revealed to them.
0: There you go. Now, what, what are you looking for, for like, a rookie season for uh, Vasily Kudkosin? Because wow. I think right now it's like, you know, we had Carrillo in the Calder this year. I think we might have another Russian guy win it next year with Pud Coleson potentially. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, no, we could for sure. Like, I, I think he could come in and be an absolute stud. And it was, like, you see the young guys on this Canucks seem like you've seen it over the past few years. like Besser, Besser, Pettersson, Hughes, all finalists for the Calder. Pettersson won it. This year, <laughs> uh, this year, Hoglander was right there as well, like, he had a, he came, uh, not out of nowhere, but his progression was a lot quicker than people expected yes. for the Canucks. He was off. Awesome. I think he was fifth in Calder voting, something like that, fifth or eighth mm-hmm. or something like that. Like He was good. He was, like, half a point a game or something like that, and now to see Colson come in as well. He's a guy, like, he could make it four nominee nominees in five years for the Canucks, and that's what you have to do to have a team grow and get better. He's got to Grow with the young guys and I think Colson could come in
2: and be an absolute stud
0: for this team yeah I, I agree you know and I, I like the idea of Colson forcing JT Miller into a third line center role because
2: yeah, I mean
0: just and I heard somebody say this it's so much easier to get average wingers to play with a great center than it is to get uh, great wingers to play with an average center, you know? So if absolutely. JT can go down there and be a really good third-line center, maybe you will get some depth scoring going with some guys that you weren't expecting to contribute.
1: Uh, absolutely. Like, that was part of the of the whole success of the bubble year. Like, people don't realize mm. this, but there was a stretch in the middle of the season where Tanner Pearson was a point-of-game player Yeah, with, with four format. Like, it was crazy. Pearson was on a stupid run, and it kind of, like – it, it took a step back this year I'm not a big fan of the money or the term in the contract extension I think it should have been a little less than a year less because he's more of a third liner than a second liner but at the same time mm-hmm. like it's a growing team and exactly to your point you can find you have to have good centers and they make the wingers better sort of thing and if like the lot of wine is so entertaining in Pedersen, Miller and Besser but if you can break him up and if Miller is a third line center then uh, that's You've got to be ecstatic as a Knucks fan for that. Do you guys know why it's called the lotto line, by the way? Do, do, are you confused picks? when I say that, or no?
0: They were all lottery picks, right?
1: No, no. Up here up here in BC, one of our okay. lotteries is called lotto 649. So Besser wears six, Patterson wears 40, and Miller wears nine. So that's why there's that's a lotto cool. line yeah
0: that is that is why
1: that's our our random facts for you yeah we have two like lotteries that you go like buy tickets from the store for lotto max and lotto 649 and so that's where the lotto line came from the 649 besser peterson miller That's that's your fact of the day
0: that's that's awesome all right guys do we have anything else you're thinking for jordy
1: This was fun, boys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Really? I had oh. a blast. Yeah, we we did go a little bit.
1: No,
2: that's okay. it was good. All
0: right, cool. So that was fun. Thanks,
2: boys.
0: All right, guys. Um, this was our latest episode of Four Checking TV. Uh, thank you to Jordy for joining us.
1: You you can and find me at Cunningham Jordy on Twitter or at the Kingsden Thpn on
0: Twitter. And real quick, do you have anything big coming up for the Kingsden?
1: Uh. My last episode, of, because of holidays, I I recorded like uh, last last Thursday's episode and today's episode last week. So today's episode that just came out is a short episode about the Tarasenko rumors. Okay. Thursday's episode will be about like will be about the Stanley Cup and be about the Victor Arvidsson trade, and then of course big things coming in the couple weeks with how much movement is going to happen around the NHL because I think it's going to be a lot. All right,
0: cool. All right, guys. Well, once again, this was our latest for Checking TV. Uh, for myself, Doug Lackey my co-host, TK, Scotty, Peyton. we thank you for watching. And, Jordy, once again, thank you for joining us, man.
2: Thank you. I can't wait to be back, and I'll have you guys on sometime.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
2: Thank you.